0: Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care, and mama to a super kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. this is our story this is what we did and we're sharing it with you because maybe there's someone listening somewhere that has a lot of anxiety going into their child's clinic visit and we just wanted to share with you what we did what worked for us this episode is a quick one it's an update about our experience with our son's clinic visit during the peak of the COVID-19 virus here in Massachusetts My husband Ryan joins me on this episode and we share with you how we worked with our team to prep for the days leading up to it and how the actual day went. We offer some tips in an effort to better prepare you for your child's clinic visit. I felt it was pertinent to share this with you because there may be a parent or a caregiver out there that is feeling anxious about their child's clinic visit. We want to offer some words of encouragement and let you know we did it and you can too. Welcome back to the All Mama Care Podcast. We wanted to update you guys about how our clinic visit went.
1: That's right. I'm here again.
0: (laughs) I have Ryan here with me because he went into clinic with Ollie last Wednesday on the 22nd.
1: Plus, I live here, so it's convenient that I'm here.
0: (laughs) So he's my co-pilot tonight. And we thought it was important to talk about how clinic went because for both of us, we had a lot of anxiety going into it and leading up to it. And I thought it would be helpful to kind of talk about some tips that we did to make things a little bit easier um, leading up to it as well as on the day of.
1: Right, but I also think first of all, like it's okay to acknowledge that you are afraid of going to a hospital right now. I don't think it's crazy. I know people make fun of it on late night stuff about people not wanting to go to the hospital, but.
0: We're in a different category. Right, we're
1: in a different situation than most people. So I think it's okay to acknowledge that, yes, I have this fear first, and then you have to get over it, though, because you have to realize, like, okay, they're probably not going to put us where the COVID-19 patients are, which is exactly what happened. So,
0: And I know you had a concern about that. Right. That
1: was, that was my biggest concern was, were we going to be anywhere near the patients who are being tested for COVID-19 or getting x-rays of their chest to see if they had COVID-19? So that was a, a big concern for me. That was my biggest fear. My biggest anxiety was, okay, where are we going In this hospital so that I'll feel safe with Ollie
0: right so a couple weeks I would say about two weeks before our appointment I checked in with our team called them kind of started the conversation about what what does the day look like what exactly is gonna happen and we love our team so much they're so responsive they're so respectful and they really do work with us to make sure that, you know, we feel comfortable bringing Ollie in and also that his safety is number one. And
1: they don't mind that Jackie calls relentlessly.
0: Well, I call when I need to, but it's really nice that I never feel guilty. I never feel weird calling. Um, and it's just really nice because it helps to minimize any anxiety that I have and kind of nip it in the bud.
1: Right. But this time we kind of called relentlessly.
0: But our nurse practitioners. It was my suggestion
1: too, as well. But but we we would probably bother them a little bit. I'm not going to lie, because we called them. I'd say how many times did we really call
0: them? I would say about three or four. I think it was more in like the two five. weeks.
1: I think it was more like five or six. But I mean,
0: in the two weeks leading up to it, we did communicate with them quite often, and it I think was it was very productive. It because. was,
1: it, but you know, at at a certain point, we started to feel like, man, they must find us really annoying because we were calling them so much checking up what was going on. How many people were sick at the hospital? Where will we be? So I think, you know, it can be overwhelming or at least I felt like we were being, you know, a bother to them, but they kept reassuring us that it was perfectly normal to be having that anxiety. Mm -hmm. It was perfectly normal to have those concerns. And, you know, I think that they were actually glad that we were checking in with them considering our hospital has actually gone down to seeing, the oncology team sees like, what, I think it's one or two kids a day now. Right. Whereas before they were seeing like 10, 15. Well, sure.
0: They've they've changed all of the protocols so that there's only one or two kids coming in for a clinic visit on that day. And it's only kids that are in active treatment that are coming in. Right. So some of the things that we did that was really helpful, uh, number one, you know, we checked in with the team. We asked them, what is the plan where is Ollie going to be having his treatment? And originally he was going to go into the clinic and then be transferred down to um, a sedation room. And so we talked with the patient advocacy line, a representative from our hospital, and just voiced our concerns. The fact is that in our hospital, the clinic is in one wing, in one building, and the sedation room would have been in another area where we would have had to cross the main lobby. So uh, basically, what ended up happening was that we worked with our team and the patient advocacy uh, representative at the hospital, and they were able to come up with a really great solution where our son could be in a large sedation room that was not in the clinic. He did not have to be transferred. He had his spinal. He had his christine, and um, everything was in one room, which was really, really great. There's
1: actually an ultrasound room I think they use for... Um, pregnant patients mostly in the hospital
0: so that was really helpful to know exactly where ollie and ryan were going on the day of additionally they made an accommodation to have ollie and ryan go into a side entrance so that they didn't have to go into the main entrance of the hospital and Rye was the only one that went in with Ollie because our hospital is minimizing the number of visitors. So um, it was just nice to know that it was literally point A to B. And while Ollie was being in the stroller in the hallway with Ryan, we had a rain cover on him and you had a mask on. Yeah,
1: we put him in his stroller, put a rain co- cover over him. And I wore one of those N95 masks. He also had a mask on under too. So
0: Did you wear the face shield?
1: I wore the facial going in, but like it fogged up the whole time, and I because I wear glasses and I couldn't see a thing, Mm -hmm. so I didn't I didn't wear it on the way out. But the doctor said I didn't really need to wear that unless I was going into an operating room, so Mm -hmm. I I decided okay, I'm not
0: going to. But
1: you know, I have to say the one thing I did question afterwards is why why isn't it that easy when we normally take it?
0: We wanted to hop on and just reassure you guys that we went. We were very apprehensive, very nervous going into our clinic visit, but I think talking with the team, knowing exactly what's going to happen on that day and having a game plan was really helpful.
1: Right. So once I got in to the room, because I was the one that went in with Ollie. So once we got into the room, they said they needed to do his height and his weight. They brought a scale right to the door and we did it right there. Then we closed the door and they were like, okay, now, now everybody who's coming in and out is going to have a mask on and you can leave your mask on too. And Ollie can take his mask off, which was great because, you know, he sat on the bed and he finally started to calm down. Yeah, he's only three. And he he started to calm down once he had the mask off and he was watching his iPad. And they limited the amount of people that were in there. There was the nurse practitioner. There was our nurse. The doctor came and the anesthesiologist came. And our child life specialist came, which was great because Ollie, (laughs) when she walked in, Ollie goes, I missed you. And um, started... Uh, playing with her right away she had a bunch of toys and games that had all been washed or new for Ollie which was great Um, so that calmed him down because he was actually having separation anxiety that his mommy wasn't there and he kept crying for mama Uh, but once I think once I got the face shield off once he got out of the stroller once he had the mask off once he was weighed he really did calm down Um, and I think the protocol at different hospitals will be different though like they may not suggest him or her taking off her mask, depending on the age of your child or, or how severe their case is. But they said that they used ultraviolet lights in the room to, to clean it before we had come in. You know, and obviously there were new sheets on the bed and all that stuff. So I felt, I don't know, I felt secure in, in letting him be without the mask. I mean, he, he when he was sedated, he had the tube in his nose for oxygen anyways. So, I mean, he would have had to take the mask off at a certain point. Uh, to be honest. So it, it made sense. I put the mask back on when we left, but I left it out the whole, the whole time.
0: But then you put it back on when you were leaving.
1: Yeah, when we were leaving, I put it back on. I put the shield back on, you know, but the greatest thing was there really wasn't anyone in that wing of the hospital. I mean, there were a few doctors and nurses going to get their lunch, but they were wearing masks. A few of them had, you know, their shields on, they were all wearing uh, you know, gloves. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're taking all the precautions in the world not to get sick too. So,
0: and it sounds like things in the hallway were very calm. Oh my God. Too. There was like
1: no one in the hallway. It was, the main building is essentially closed to all visitors. So that main building just had, you know, doctors and nurses on their breaks essentially. And even then we weren't really close passing by any of them. And they took us right, the room was only like 200 feet from where we were, so it was super um, And you
0: didn't have to go in an elevator, did you? No,
1: it was was all one floor. I mean, we walked past the elevators, we didn't go in any. So that was great, too. And he did great.
0: So kind of just knowing, like, in advance what's going to happen on that day, what to expect. Obviously, you know, being cautious, knowing that if you have or you're able to have a mask on or... Have that rain cover that we talked about over the stroller uh one of the things that we always always do with ollie either the day before or the night before a clinic we always practice on wearing the mask and giving medicine to our stuffed animals and it's a little bit of play therapy
1: stethoscope we always have the stethoscope. We always we check, the
0: stethoscope. check the beat, beat, is what we call it yep and so i think that kind of certainly helps ollie but it also helps me kind of <laughs> The little, little uh, No,
1: it definitely helps him though. I mean, I laugh, yeah. but I mean, it definitely, it definitely helps him mm-hmm. because he he doesn't have a problem anymore with the doctors doing the physical exam or checking him with their stethoscopes. Um, or
0: checking his ears or his eyes. Yeah,
1: all that stuff. He always just says data first. So mm-hmm. I let them fake do it to me first and then, and then he'll do it with no complaints mm-hmm. anymore. So, I mean, I definitely think that's been uh, working. Mm-hmm. So the other thing too is, um, you know, I think there was a bit of not just anxiety, but a bit, well, it was anxiety, but more of fear because we just switched protocols too. We switched protocols. Uh, he was going every month for the Van Christine and the steroid. And now he's doing it every three months along with the LP. So I think there was a little bit of double anxiety when it came to this because, you know, we knew this was like a big appointment.
0: Well, let me just clarify. It's the same protocol number. His number on the protocol has not changed. It's just the plan inside the protocol has been, uh, has been, uh, okay.
1: I didn't know that. Um, I just know that it's now, instead of going every month, he goes every three months, Mm -hmm. although he will be going back every month for blood tests and to flush his Port. port. but that's a quick visit. I mean, that was, it should be anyways. I think next time, uh, Our doctor said, you know, you can leave before we get the results of a blood test. So it really should only be like a 20 to 30 minute checkup visit, which is much better than being there for like three hours, you know, I think, but it definitely lightens the anxiety. Again,
0: knowing what to expect ahead of time, because think about it: if your level of anxiety as a parent, if it's really high, your kids are going to sense that. So the more that you can kind of know ahead of time, have a game plan understand the emotions that you're feeling ahead of time and be proactive about it. I feel like Ollie was definitely responsive to us being calm on that day and knowing like, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're just going to get it done and then we'll get out of there.
1: Yeah. And a couple of pointers, I think you know, bring extra gloves. If you have them, we, we always bring extra gloves and it definitely came in handy. You know, I took off the gloves once I got into the room all I really touched was Ollie. And then, you know, I did wash my hands before we left as well. So I, did, I had another pair of gloves put on afterwards and we kind of run it like a team now. Whereas you, you came home while the procedure was going on and then you well, went, I dropped
0: you guys, off. right. You
1: dropped us off and then you came home. And then when I told you that Ollie was, you mm-hmm. know, he, he was waking up from the anesthesia and, you know, it'll probably be about 45 minutes to an hour. Now you were like, okay, in a half hour I'll leave and I'll get the, I'll get the meds from the pharmacy, which was great because she went in there with a mask and gloves and really didn't have to touch anything. So that was awesome because it saved us time when we got Ollie to get home because we also had to give him the meds and feed him. So if you have the availability to have a partner with you to, to be able to do that, it's great. And another thing too, um, when you're in the room, they're going to ask you to, you know, sign paperwork, just try to be cognizant that you should wash your hands afterwards. And most of the rooms you're going to be in are going to have a sink and, and water and everything. And so So definitely wash your hands, because they're going to give you a pen to sign it. And I'm sure they're keeping their pens clean. But I was just extra cautious. Every time they asked me to sign consent, either on the computer or with a pen, I washed my hands. And then I would get out of their way. But I would just be cognizant of still doing that. And we did try to keep distance, but the room is small. I also stayed in there for the procedure this time, which I've never done before. I just laid my head on the pillow next to Ollie, and I just talked to him while he was sedated. And I was just telling him a story and trying to keep him calm while they did the procedure. I didn't look or anything like that. Some, the the anesthesiologist actually asked me if I have a history of passing out. I don't. Um, But he said that he's been with parents that passed out during the procedure just because they're seeing their child, you know, go yeah. through a procedure in their spine. So I think that, you know, some parents may not be able to handle it. So I,
0: I would not be able to handle right. it.
1: Right. So they asked if I wanted mind. to step outside the door. But, like, I thought, no, I want to be there with him. And I, I, I decided that I was going to do it. and It was fine. But just, you know, remember that. Remember, if you're the type of person that gets a little oozy or little passes sensitive. out, is a little sensitive to, to things like that, be a little more cognizant of it going in. Um, if you're going to do it because you, you don't need, you don't need to give them extra work taking care of you that, because you passed out. So, um, so only stay in if you can. Um, so that's and then thing.
0: additionally, you know, Ryan mentioned, we work as a team and, It was wonderful because I picked up all the medicine that's at our specialty pharmacy, which is across the parking lot from the hospital. And when I went in, I had my gloves, I had my mask on, they took my temperature, they showed me where to stand. I got a name tag, I got a number, and then I walked right over to the pharmacy. Obviously, there was no line, so I was able to really quickly pick up all of his medicine. I double-checked to make sure that we had all the medicine before we left and the right dosage and everything is correct. And then when I got back to the car, disposed of the gloves, disposed of the mask, and then I was able to pick up Ollie and Ryan. So it was pretty seamless for the day. And, and I'm really glad that we did all the phone calls and the prep work ahead of time so that we could just kind of have an easy clinic day and get in and out and done.
1: Right. And I, this may be overly cautious, but we also bring towels for me and Ollie to sit on afterwards, just as an extra precaution because, you know, we've been sitting in the hospital. And then when we came home, you know, Ollie and I, we, we stripped down out of our clothes. We gave Ollie a sponge bath. They actually said it was okay to give him a regular bath if we put one of those big shield bandages over his port. But we were we he were had more the hesitant. Spinal yeah, he had the spinal and everything. So we just gave him a sponge bath to the best of our ability to clean him. We washed his hair. We washed his face. We washed he his made it a game. Yeah, so we gave him like a little sponge bath. Um, and I took a shower just as an extra precaution too. I mean, those are things you can do too, if you're extra worried. I mean, just because of the living situation that we're all going through, if you have a child going through this or anyone going through any type of treatment where their immune system compromised, you just want to be extra safe. And so I did that too. And they had recommended that to me there as well. It wasn't just something that I would naturally do.
0: They recommended for you to take a shower. Yeah. Our,
1: our nurse practitioner actually said, you know, we're not saying to give him a bath, but just to be extra safe. At least give him a sponge bath. You can give him a bath if you really want to. It shouldn't be a big deal. But I said we would just give him a sponge bath. And she said, you know, and you should just shower just in case as well. Yeah. And I said, okay, I will. Because, yeah. um, you know, we did walk through the hallways. Right. So we did walk through the hallways. The room might have been sterile, but there's no guarantee there wasn't one of the viruses lingering in a hallway somewhere. So just to be extra safe, you know, we wore our masks all the way out. I didn't take his off until I had taken off my gloves and my mask and stuff like that. So, you know, I, Just to be extra safe, extra cautious, we did that.
0: And again, this is our story. This is what we did. And we're sharing it with you because maybe there's someone listening somewhere that has a lot of anxiety going into their child's clinic visit. And we just wanted to share with you what we did, what worked for us um, in hopes that maybe, you know, something that we mentioned tonight might be something that you may want to move forward with or, you know, something to think about. Of course, everybody is handling this crisis differently. Um, everybody's emotions are different.
1: Right. Some people are going to the beach.
0: Oh, God. Not even, <laughs> let's not even talk about that. Some
1: people are protesting.
0: But let's just focus on the fact that, you know, you know your child better than anybody else. So you do what's right for you and your child and your family and continue to keep open communication with your team. That's really the best advice that I can give any parent or caregiver right now.
1: Right. And just stay healthy and stay safe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And keep social distancing. I know it seems like everybody, we get it. You know, we, we went on a drive today and visited a family member. We kept our distance. They, You know, we stayed in the car. We rolled down the windows. We said hi
0: from yeah, the lawn. Yeah, from,
1: from the lawn. So, you know, we're doing the best we can. We get it, you know, but just keep social distancing. Spread the message to everyone you know to keep social distancing. Remind them that there are people out there who need it. You know, and, You know, just stay safe.
0: Yeah. So that's the main message we wanted to tell you guys tonight. If you listen to this and you got some takeaways from it, that's wonderful. If you had a successful clinic visit and you want to share it with us, we would love to hear about it. If you have even more tips for clinic visits or anything else treatment related during this time, just let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Next week, I'm thrilled to share with you my interview with Chef Ryan Callahan. Among his many talents, he's an award-winning author. His cookbooks, Cooking for Kids with Cancer and Cooking for Chemo and After, will make you look at food in a whole new way. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. If something from this stuck with you, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me what you thought. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. You can even send me a voicemail. Simply go to anchorfm backslash care time backslash message Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot, tag me and a couple friends. You never know; it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The light within me honors the light within you.